There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, world from, wow. World from the news from of the world. science fiction. <laughs> That's a new one. I haven't done that one before. And awesome discussions from fans just like you. You like just fans from discussions awesome and fantasy and fiction <laughs> science of world the from news. That was pretty good. Considering you just did that off the cuff. I get good job. I, I, I've gotten good at reading backwards. Oh, really? Yeah. Over the did years. You, is that something you practice or oh, you just, just kind of not discovered? just standing bored in front of prompters often enough over 20, 30 years eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I practiced, mm-hmm. but not like practiced more like out of boredom did it yeah. until I was. Yeah. I was really good at teleprompter. <sighs> That was like one of my, those were the back days. in my day. <laughs> that was like, that was honestly like one of my life skills that I felt like really confident about. I was like, yeah. I don't know if I'm very good at many things. I am freaking awesome at sounding like I'm not reading a teleprompter like reading. when I am No, you are. That's, that's true. Yeah. You're, you're very good at that. That was one of my abilities. Oop, I hit my mic. Hopefully that wasn't loud. Sorry. We are uh, in the process of adding food to the what are we drinking segment. Uh, which means we're looking for new names. Uh, what are we ingesting was what we went with last week. Uh, and thankfully, Ruth Tiltab Ashworth suggested the name, what are we nomming? Nom, nom, nom. It feels, it makes us feel fancy too, like we're nominating something. Mm, oh, right. Yeah, we're nominating these as good items to consume. Yeah. And what you are can we nom, You can nom on a drink, right? Is nom to like millennial internet chat mm. i feel like on tiktok like we're not allowed to say like uh what's the one the main one we're not supposed to not supposed to say i'm making air <laughs> quotes are such rule followers not I supposed know. to say um or people will be mad at me <laughs> that's, what we, yeah, that's, that's how we live well, while, while Veronica figures that out, uh, anyone who's Gen Z or Gen X in the audience, please write in and tell us if you like yeah. what are we nomming. Millennials are apparently going to be too concerned about whether they'll get in trouble for saying About people's impressions of us or whether or not yeah. we'll get in trouble. Exactly. Uh, Gen Z and Gen X, tell us, is nomming cool? Is that, or is that, no, that's a, that's a. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. An yeah. And I'll yeah. definitely use the incorrect emoji for it too. That's oh, also yeah. a big deal. Yeah. I use yeah. All the what do you emoji. use for laughing? I use the, um, the, the, I'm trying to show you, I know you're supposed to use like the, not supposed to use the closed eyed, big smile laugh. Mm. You're supposed to use the, the skull emoji now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like I'm dead. That's a correct answer. Yeah. Doggo licorice. Got it. It's, we're not supposed to use puppers and doggos. That's right. Yeah. It's nommers and nommers. See, the funny thing is that you uh, being in the millennial generation are concerned with that. Me being the Gen X generation immediately wants to start using doggo a lot. Doggo. I like dog. <laughs> mm, of course I like doggo. Yeah. What are you nomming on Tom? I had some eggplant lasagna. Um, 
Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. I had spinach lasagna. What? What? <laughs> it's lasagna day at Sword and Laser. Are we soulmates? We are. Actually, spinach Aww. sounds good. I like a good spinach lasagna. I wish I could have had it's a little good. of both. It's good because you can layer the spinach in in between other mm-hmm. things, so a two year old eats it and doesn't realize it. <laughs> and that, that's and you, the you that's know, the key. You road tested that. <laughs> I take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, the secret layers. <laughs> right, right. In the no, lasagna. That's, that's, that's excellent. Yeah. Get some every time. Mm, good. Um, cool. Good, and also lasagna. Other people have had lasagna tonight. Count <gasps> Zero Or in chat also had lasagna. Dwango's stepson made gnocchi. Oh, gnocchi sounds Prose- good too. Prosecca's mad because no one told her that it's lasagna day. Well, Prosecco, so, I'm sorry we're late, but it's lasagna day. <laughs> we didn't know. We yeah. didn't know. We're all just discovering this in You can time. use this as an excuse for an immediate lasagna, whatever time it is where you are. Yeah, you can get some DoorDash. You can mm-hmm. heat up an, an Annie's. You can, you know, if you've got something in the freezer, yeah, whip up a fresh one. You know, a little, it's all good. A little grab taxi. Or <laughs> what's grab taxi? Oh, the, uh, is that the China one? Uh, I think it's Singapore. It's it's all over Singapore? Southeast Asia. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think yeah. it's Singapore. I, based. I've only heard about it once. Okay. Anyway, so that's what we're nomming tonight. Let us know what you're nomming over on Goodreads and whatnot. Um, yeah, delicious. I, I hope I don't get too sleepy because I, I ate extra helpings tonight for sure. So. Likewise, <laughs> the sword laser, it's just Veronica and I snoring off our lasagna. <laughs> what? Oh, fantasy news. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Burp. Well, on that note, let us jump right into the quick burns. Not the quick burps. Uh, our March <laughs> that is mad tournament is live. Thank you, Yay! Rob. You can find it at swordandlaser.com or in goodreads.com. Huge thanks to everybody who nominated titles and best of luck to all the books in the tournament. And of course, as I just mentioned, special thanks to Rob for corralling all the nominations for us. Uh, let's look over the matchups, shall we, Veronica? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, we've got the sword bracket and the laser bracket. So the match one is the first seed Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry, which I've been hearing a lot of buzz in the community that this is the odds-on favorite to go all the way, uh, versus Rachel Aaron's Minimum Wage Magic, an underdog but a good one. That one, has that one been in before? Minimum, uh, I know Rachel Aaron has had books in the tournament before. I can't remember if it was Minimum Wage Magic, though. All right. Well, the next matchup is Momo by Michael Ende and The Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, which I feel like has been like one that I've been interested in picking up for a long time. So I'm pretty excited about that. Momo is a German science fiction uh, book, I believe. This is in translation. It's from 1973. Mm -hmm. And then Ken Liu is a translator. Right, he's yes. he's the person who did uh, the English translations of Cixin Liu's uh, Three Body Problem books, so yes. so kind of a, an international matchup of sorts or a translation matchup there between Momo. But and also, the yeah, Kings. also a great, obviously a great author in his own right, um, and we've talked about him numerous times on the show. So that's yeah, this is an exciting matchup for sure. And the number eight and number nine seats, so like mat, neck and neck right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Third match on the fantasy bracket is The Steerswoman by Rosemary Kirstein and Vita Nostra by Marina Diachenko, a Ukrainian author. 
Fascinating. Number uh, four next, versus number 13 seeds there. In, uh, how do you see that? Where do you have that information? I'm looking on the Goodreads thread that uh, Rob put, okay. but you can also see it I'm on the looking, challenge bracket. That's where I'm seeing things. So I don't have the, I don't have the seed number. I only have yeah, the, the seed number is right next to it in the challenge bracket. Oh, is that the, that's not vote counts. That's no, seed number. That's the seed number. Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the next matchup, the I believe the final matchup, perhaps for of fantasy, the fantasy bracket, yes, yes, is Victory City by Salman Rushdie, mm. uh, which is seventeenth seed, and the City of Brass by S. A. Chakraborty. Oh, that's not what I see. I see five for Victory City and twelve for the City of Brass. So maybe you oh, are seeing so vote counts. I think I am. How am I seeing vote counts? Is this On connected Challenge, directly to Goodreads? Can, people can pick their brackets, so you may be seeing how many people have picked their brackets. You can't oh, see the actual okay. Goodreads vote counts. Those are the only ones that count. But people are making okay. predictions on Challenge. I'm not logged oh. in on Challenge, so maybe that's why I'm seeing it. Interesting. I'm not either. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't know how it works. I won't read those numbers anymore. Okay. On to the <laughs> laser. <laughs> on to the laser bracket. Match five, Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky, a return uh, competitor into the tournament. And The Lives of Tao by Wesley Chu at, at number 15 seed. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember now that I'm not supposed to say like how I feel about anything, but I, I like both of those. So I'm kind of excited about that, that particular matchup. Nice. Yep. After that, we have a uh, star tide rising by David Brin and red rising by Pierce Brown. So it's the rising matchup. Number the, seven the versus number matchup. 10 uh, seeds there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah match yeah. number seven, the terraformers, the number three seed from Annalie Noitz. Uh, versus nice. the number 14 seed, the underdog Claire North notes from the burning age. And you're going to have to read the last one because I can't click on the little uh, notification icon for this one for some reason. So I oh, can't see okay. the full names. Uh, the final match, match eight, and the the bottom match in the sword and laser bracket in the laser bracket. Match number eight, number six seed, The Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind by Jackson Ford. Versus the number 11 seed, The Spare Man by Mary Robinette Cole. Fantastic. All right. Lots of great options in here. Um, Tomahome says we forgot Gravity's Rainbow. Is that there? Was it like a, did it not make it in or did we miss a round? Or is that a joke? Is that a joke? Did I just fall into a joke? I think you fell into a joke. I fell into a joke. We forgot because maybe it's because we have Salman Rushdie. He's like, you should have Thomas Pynchon too. Oh, it's because it's oh. Tomahome nominated it. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. I see. Well, you went really far with that, Tom. You like made like a really reasonable guess. <laughs> That's what I do for you, a like, living. actually <laughs> tried to logic your way into that one. I appreciate I that. I can logic That's anything. Good. Anyone needs a retcon of why they said something, just give me a call. <laughs> I'll make up a plausible story for you. That's so good. All right. Well, yes, as always, you can head over uh, to Goodreads to vote for your picks and you can follow along with all the crazy madness over at swordandlaser.com slash March dash madness. Now right, we moving are, on. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Uh, very excited that Jan is still bringing us quick burns. Thank you, Jan. There is a new trailer for the adaptation of Frank Schatzing's science fiction novel, The Swarm. Ooh. Uh, so it's a novel that is being adapted into the most expensive German TV show ever made. Uh, so it's not being shot in English and premiering in several countries in February and March. The Swarm is about strange occurrences surrounding the world's oceans and its wildlife that could threaten the survival of humanity. 
Wasn't that also a vampire book? I, there vampire have been show? other stories under the name The Swarm. Yes. Have for we sure. had this conversation before in the last 15 years? I feel like maybe we have. Possibly. Maybe not even okay. about The Swarm. Because, you know, titles can't be copyrighted, so people steal them all the time. We did. We had, didn't we have a whole show title based on it? Because there's like The Swarm, which is like a bookstore. Oh, now I don't remember that. No, the stand, the strand, or the stand. Oh, the strand or the, is a bookstore. Yeah, was, we did an episode title about the strand because there were like four different things that were called the strand, and right. I think that was the vampire. That's thing right. Okay. Of. Yeah. 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 That make that sounds okay. right. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jan. And there, there was a little, there was a little discussion of whether it's okay to submit TV shows and movies on Quick Burns. First of all, it's always okay to submit news on Quick Burns. But we probably won't read it on the show unless it's about an adaptation for a novel. So people post Star Trek and Doctor Who stuff in there all the time. And that's great because the other community members can see it. So there's no restriction on TV shows or movies. But if you want to make it on the show, it's more likely to make it on the show. It has to do with an adaptation of a book because Mm, book show. mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Book show. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Jan is back with more and says, my part of the internet has recently been set ablaze by the news that Lego is releasing in March a 6,000 plus piece Lord of the Rings Rivendell set. It looks so good. One piece piece for every minute. Wait, one piece for what? For every minute of the movie. My God, Wait, I have to, I have to read this in his voice. Okay. okay, so okay, it, okay sorry. It looks so good. It has 15 minifigures and it's $500. <sighs> Ruth added, I was eyeing up this set on the Lego website yesterday evening. Our house is rapidly running out of space for Lego sets already, but it does look awesome. Uh, also goes for Legos. Uh, post your Lego news if it's about a book like Lord of the Rings, and it'll <laughs> yeah, make it to the show. So, yeah, uh, thank you, Jan. Yeah, I my uh, sister in law and her husband are really into Legos as well. So I, I feel you, Ruth. Uh, whenever we stay at their house, we went up for the my niece's baptism uh, a couple weekends mm-hmm. ago. Whenever we stay in in their house, it's so much fun because we stay in their office uh, surrounded by Lego sets that they've created. It's really cool. Gary Witta has a very impressive um, Lego collection as well. I have seen in his uh, one of the last time I was at his house, he had like a, a pretty cool setup for for all of his Lego stuff. I was like, that's dedication, man. That's like yeah. a lot of because you got to like you build it and then you 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 want to keep it. So you want to like put it somewhere mm-hmm. on display, right? Right, right, totally. So yeah, and there's the people who glue. Like they oh. glue their sets together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Brian says, uh, actually pointed out that paper examines Frank Herbert's science fiction classic Dune from the perspective of economic history and institutional economics. Somewhat interesting if you're okay with academic perspectives. Uh, it's an open access paper, so you can download the PDF at papers.ssrn.com, and we'll have that link in the show notes. I have not read this. I uh, did not have time to really look it over. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the, um, SSRN e-library. So yeah, uh, if you're academically minded and certainly tons of economic history and, and institutional economics informed Herbert's mm-hmm. writing of Dune. So I imagine this would be a pretty good read. How, I wonder how long it is. Is it like Dune length? 
I'm looking 6,000 pages. It's only 16 pages. It's only 16 pages. (laughs) So you're okay. I think I I think we can make it. I should hope. I hope. And then finally, um, Veronica wrote in. uh, It's me um, (laughs) to say that I can't remember. This is a this is one of those situations where I say like I saw on the internet. But what I really mean is I saw it on TikTok, um, which is that I think it was Charlie Jane Anders who said that apparently a ton of people have been flooding Clark's World magazine mm. um, with short stories that are actually written by chat GPT. And it's becoming a huge problem. Because as you know, as we have done, slush reading is already so difficult. Yeah. And now to have to, on top of that, like kind of actually go on a service like chat GPT or the other services that detect whether or not something has a high probability of being written by AI. I mean, to plug that in, get that tested, make sure that it's legit, actually written by a human. Um, I mean, so this is becoming, yeah. here's my, here's my opinion. First of all, don't flood Clark's world. That's just, ma- that. gonna, that's going to ruin things for everybody. Um, I suppose it might not be an intentional flooding. It might just be people saying, Ooh, I, I was able to, to write this. Uh, so now I will submit it. Uh, but, but, you know, be serious, think about it. I don't have, I don't know how Clark's word feels about this, but I don't have a problem with someone using chat GPT to help them create a story that they then submit as long as they're transparent about it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh and I don't mean that their, their skin, uh, is see-through. I mean that they tell you <laughs> that they say, Hey, I used chat GPT in the creation of this story. Cause here's the thing. It'll be fairly obvious if you just handed in what ChatGPT wrote, and it won't be that good. It won't live up to Clark's World standards. But if you used it as a writing prompt and you took it and edited it and added your own to it and molded it, I think that's a creative work. And you just need to let them know, like, hey, I used ChatGPT when I was writing this, but it should be credited to me because I'm the one who, who, you know, used it. Not, I wouldn't give authorship to ChatGPT any more than I give credit to my calculator for helping me on algebra. So let's, yeah, let's dig into that a little bit more because I I use ChatGPT quite a bit. I actually pay for it. I pay twenty dollars oh, a wow. month mm-hmm. for like you know good access to it, fast yeah. access to it, and I use it for a lot of the ways that you're referencing. Like I use it for prompting ideas, or like if I need a suggestion, or if I need to rewrite something in a more professional tone. Or if I need something like this, like I don't use it to like full, fully write something, author something, but I have definitely found like a lot of great utility yeah. in helping me figure things out that I'm just like either brain farting on or, you know, whatever. And one thing that I tried to do, um, which had interesting results is that two, twice in the past, I have asked it to write me a synopsis or a um, kind of like a cliff's note of books that we've read. Mm-hmm. So I could have it in front of me when we're discussing it. So I wouldn't have to like look up the characters or like look up major plot points and things like that. And you know what it does instead? What? It writes me a story in the style <laughs> of almost. Oh, interesting. So it makes up a totally new story. So I wrote to- tonight. Let me and, and actually let me pull it up because I think this would be really interesting. Um, I'm trying so it right to, now. <laughs> are you trying it? Yeah, yeah totally. it's, it's super weird. Um, so I gave it the prompt. I'm just pulling up my account. So I said, please write me a plot synopsis for the novel Metal and Bone by T. Kingfisher. 
And it wrote, this is kind of long. I'll post this and I'll post an image of this later. Nettle and Bone is a dark fantasy novel by T. T Kingfisher that tells the story of a young girl named Alatea who is forced to confront the supernatural forces that threaten her village. The story is set in a remote village in the middle of a vast forest where the people live a simple life and follow ancient traditions. Alatea is a young girl who is an outcast in the village because of her unusual appearance and mysterious abilities. She has a talent for weaving magical charms and has a deep connection to the natural world, which sets her apart from the other villagers. And it goes on and like tells this completely different story. And now I'm like, yeah, Saray says, is this an alternate universe version? And it's it's funny because like the first paragraph, you're like, oh, okay, maybe. And then you're like, well, that's not the character's name. This isn't like exactly what happened. It keeps trying it to tell me like, Nettle and Bone what? is a collection of short stories. Yeah, that that has also happened to me I before. I wonder if there is a collection of short stories called Nettle and Bone. It's just not by T. Kingfisher. But it, it, there is there another Nettle and Bone that is described as the one that I just described? No. Well, no. The, some of the character names you just mentioned were the same. There's no Alatea. No. Did you and mention no, Rose McGregor? Only... Nope. Oh, okay. And so it's no. also said there's a character named Tab- Tabor, T-A-B-O-R. <laughs> and they the... develop a deep bond as they face ever-increasing challenges and dangers together. Nettle and Boat is a collection of short stories written by T. Kingfisher. The main characters are The Hollow Places Between, The Squirrel Wife, Jackalope Wives, and The Dryad's Shoe. So like, I don't know what it's doing, but this is the well, kind of stuff that just like, this I, is why me. <laughs> like, I you think can't it's so just weird. have it make a story no. and hand it in because there are going to be things in it that don't make any sense because, uh, as, as I've talked about on daily tech news show, chat GPT isn't thinking it isn't even writing. It is predicting what words should come next. Makes sense with each other. Right? Yeah. Now, it doesn't right. exactly do it sequentially. It doesn't do it one at a time. It does look at groups of words. That's why sometimes you see it changing things because it's mm-hmm. trying to to really predict like this, it, given everything that it's ever been trained on, this is the most likely word that would come next. Uh, that's all it's doing. It, it has no actual concept of what it's doing. Which is here's why another, here's another one. The jackalope right. wives are considered a main character in TK yeah. Fish. So a few weeks ago, I said, hello. I always say hello and please. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Can you please create a bullet point list of discussion topics on the subject of Brightness Falls from the Air by James Tiptree Jr.? And so it starts out pretty positively. Like, okay. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. It says the exploration of gender and sexuality in the novel and how Tiptree challenges traditional societal norms and expectations. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. The use of science fiction as a means to comment on contemporary issues and societal problems. Okay. Um, The themes of power and control and how they are portrayed Mm -hmm. through the various characters and plot developments. Okay. Mm -hmm. The depiction of a post-apocalyptic world and the consequences of human actions on the environment. Mm -hmm. Sure. I guess a little bit of a stretch, but all right. Um, all of these sounded true except that one. Yeah, because then not I really said, "Can you give me a, but yeah, yeah?" And then I was like, "Can you give me a plot summary of the of the book?" And it says the story is set in a post apocalyptic world where most of humanity has been wiped out by a mysterious disease. Nope. The remaining survivors <laughs> live in a highly technologically advanced society where mm. the government uses mind control techniques to control the population. Nope. Oh my god! The main character Althea. Is a what? Of, what? 
ChatGPT just has a manuscript. It's shopping. That's what that means. All right. So this one is Althea and the other one is Alatea. Huh. That's so funny. All right. Anyway, so it goes on to explain a plot of a book that doesn't exist as far as I know. Anyway, um, for, first thing, so anyway, don't I think flood it's really Clark's funny. World. <laughs> Second thing, just know ChatGPT isn't as good as a lot of people are afraid of it, but use it. Use it for what it is good for. Yeah, it use its use its powers for good. Yeah. Use it as something to like kickstart your own imagination and just have fun with it. I think it's pretty funny. But if you do want to make come up with a bunch of vegetarian meals based on the stuff that you already have in your pantry, it's good for that. Nice. Works for that. That's yeah. great. That's a good tip. All right. Uh, well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And I wanted to highlight a thread that had been resurrected 10 years after its initial post, which was on the topic of your favorite science fiction spaceships. And so this is one uh, that has been discussed since uh, 2013. And um, Trike figured it out or somehow (laughs) decided to revisit a 10-year-old thread, (laughs) which I thought was pretty great. And he said, in the nine years since this was posted, I've noticed a marked uptick in the publication of massive sprawling epic stories in the military sci-fi slash space opera genres that feature just these sorts of ships. Many of them are perpetually on sale for 99 cents, which is an incredible bargain if you're into that kind of thing. Three to 12 full-length novels for a buck? Crazy. I bought a bunch because they were a dollar, and I've noticed that these books all feature space navies duking it out with enemies in enormous Star Warsian style, and many ships become mainstays throughout their respective series. Some are even elevated to characters in their own right in the vein of Millennium Falcon slash Serenity slash Enterprise. I haven't read these books beyond the samples to see if the writing is good enough for me to invest my couch cushion change in, but here are the collections that I've bought. And he lists out a bunch of them. Um, And then there's a big discussion about some of the other uh, ships that have become popular in recent times, um, including Tom, one that might be uh, a particular interest to you, which is um, art. Oh, yeah. Murderbot. Murderbot. I love art. Art's a great ship. Yay. I'm glad art got some mentions. So um, art is in there. So if you're interested in learning more about, uh, you know, some of your favorite ships and, and what they've been up to in the last 10 years, head over to the thread, your favorite literary spaceships. Uh, if anyone mentions Verity from Pilot X, be very excited. Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a, an example of a ship that is also a character. Exactly. All right. Well, now it is time uh, for the book of the month discussion. We didn't have too many barrier swords this month or this week, rather. I think it's just, you know, time of the year. People are busy, whatnot. Um, But yeah, we have a kickoff uh, for the book that Tom has selected. And then we'll do a wrap up of Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher, which will be spoilery. So if you have not finished it yet, uh, now is your time uh, well, after wait, not, the not kickoff. Not now. Not now. Not now. Let us pick, let's I, kick I was, off under fortunate stars first. Don't confuse I didn't the people. finish my sentence. Okay. No, I was but people say, only half listen. That's why I'm being extra. Oh, okay. Like, don't stop. Don't stop Stay this. Stay for the kickoff. Yeah. <laughs> bounce for the wrap up if you're not finished. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get to that in a second. First. Uh, Under Fortunate Stars is by Ren Hutchings, and it showed up on a lot of those lists that we've been talking about of like, you know, two two read lists or best Mm. books of 2022 and and all of that. Um, But I I picked it 
Well, partly I picked it because I was panicking because we needed to pick early because we're doing March Madness, uh, but also because uh, it has a smuggler, a space rift, time travel, and a historical mystery in it. Uh, it is the debut novel of Ren Hutchings, published by Solaris in May 2022. Uh, Ren Hutchings is interesting, graduated with a BA in history before completing a year of grad school in archaeology, worked as a game developer. Um, oh, nice. And uh, Under Fortunate Stars starts at the end of a generation's long war with the alien Phelan when smuggler Jareth Keevan's freighter, the Jonah, breaks down in a rift in deep space and encounters a research vessel that claims to be from 152 years in Jonah's future. And the rest is mystery, but also history. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. That was funny. Thanks. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm excited about this one. Are you doing audiobook for this one as I well? I am. I'm about halfway through. <clears throat> oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, you're fast. Uh, it's got two narrators, the audiobook on Audible does, uh, one of which is a, a woman with a British accent who reads the one from 152 years in the future, uh, and one is a guy with an American accent reading the one, the Jonah uh, perspective, the one from the past, which is an interesting take. Very cool. I am buying it right now on audiobook. Yeah, you have plenty of time, folks. There. Well, actually, February has less days than I thought. Okay, you have six days, folks. <laughs> Still plenty <laughs> Get of up time. On that. Still plenty of time. Yeah, totally. All right, now it is time. Now is the time where you want to bounce if you don't want any spoilers for Nettle and Bone by T. Kingfisher. Um, just right off the bat, I loved this book. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was exactly what I was looking for. I mentioned this in Discord. I am really looking forward to uh, reading more T. Kingfisher. Um, I'm enjoying the cozy fantasy aesthetic that people have been discussing. Um, Cottagecore, cozycore, cozy, 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 what did they call it? Cozy, cozy. cozy. Is it a cozy mystery? But fantasy. I'm just going to keep saying cozy until I remember what it's called. Cozy fantasy. Hold on. I got it. No, there's a name. There's cozy a name. witchiness. Grim cozy. Grim, Grim cozy. Grim cozy. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, that fits. Tom um, only said it at the same time in chat, but I actually looked on Goodreads to see the thread that I knew the name was in. So gotcha. Grim cozy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth noted in the thread on last uh, episode's Goodreads post regarding what I said about how eagerly I was listening to the audiobook of Nettle and Bone, Ruth said, I actually found myself doing the opposite of a binge read slash listen. I was enjoying it so much. I wanted to take it slow and savor the experience. So I restricted myself to listening to what? one chapter a day. Uh, you know, my Eileen does that too. My wife does really? that when she was really enjoying a TV show. I'll be like, Ooh, let's watch the next one. She'll be like, no, I want to save it. I don't want to run out. I want to, oh, I, yeah, I can't it. do that. Yeah. I got to like, binge hardcore on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh no. We <laughs> <laughs> better hurry up. Uh really like this four doorways thread that Dale started. Uh, Dale said, anyone wish to share their take on Nancy Pearl's four doorways view of Nettle and Bones would be interesting to hear having stalled at the beginning. <gasps> so Dale wow. Dale had a hard time getting into it. Uh Chris K ventured Character is the main doorway. Plot is a good doorway. And there's a good dose of cool world building. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seth says, we had a big discussion about this being grim cozy or something adjacent. I think that's the biggest signal I'm getting from the book is mood. 
the whole bleak, twisted fairy tale that seems like it will also turn out okay in the end. That feeling. What doorway is that? Maybe world building? Yeah. Yeah, the four doorways is not like gospel truth. It's just basically a way to understand whether you, why you may have liked or not liked a book that I find very useful because sometimes when you're when you're talking to a friend, you're like, wait, you liked that? That was horrible, or vice versa. If you look at it through the four doorways, you're like, oh, you like character, you prioritize character more, and I prioritize story more. And this book was better at story and not as not as strong or not as, you know, not working as hard on character, which means that the book's perfectly fine. It just, it, you know, kind of explains how the taste went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trike Trike also goes off on a a pretty big explanation and like the so the four doorways, right, that they're talking about are character story setting and language um, in the way that Pearl kind of codifies it and brings up um, brings up specifically where is the example that I was just looking at that I agreed with for ancillary justice. How that's very ancillary justice is very like world buildy. Mm-hmm. Also, I know someone mentioned that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was trike. Yeah. Okay. 90% says, of the book builds the world and backstory so that you fully right. understand the conflict in Denouement. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's a pretty good example of that situation. At, and that I agree with trike door. that, uh, well, I, I guess trike and, uh, Chris, uh, the character is the strength of nettle and bone. I would agree. I would agree for sure. It's the I think world door. building is actually a little, I would, I would say less so on world building or mm-hmm. whatever the world building doorway is for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's okay because I think the character stuff was so to me, so encompassing and, and so interesting and, and fun and, and yeah. And, and, gra- and that, that doesn't mean, that means it doesn't, ha- that doesn't mean it doesn't have any world building. Mm-hmm. It just means mm-hmm. world, world building wasn't the the main entryway. As it was, as ancillary justice is a great example of like, it's worth, if you like world building, man, read that book. You're going to love it because it's all about world building. That doesn't mean it doesn't have story either, right? These are, these are not like every book only has one. It's like every book has a, has a different mix of them. Uh, and and how you like your mix is going to affect how you like them. It would be fun to like pick, pick like our, you know, top 10 doorways or something and then write the books that we think best kind of exemplify Ooh, that doorway. Yeah. Like what, what's, uh, what's the best character? What's the best examples of character books? What's the best example? Or your personal favorite yeah. or what you think is the best example. Exactly. Be yeah. 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 Homework assignment. Although it does get complicated because sometimes I, you know, something that might be, might not make any one doorway, but has just a really good mix of doorways can be a great mm. book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, but if you try, trying to do all the combinations you're you're talking about you know four to the fourth power books yeah that's a lot of books anyway i just thought that would be fun yeah i think that's fun we should try that we had another thread um this one from ruth who says uh this book is packed with references to fairy tale and folklore many even most possibly all clever subversions of what we've come to expect Mm -hmm. there's the marriage to a prince that isn't exactly happy ever after the fairy godmothers i found the gradual reveal that uh, Agnes could be an excellent wicked fairy godmother if she wanted to be, especially effective. And even the character of Fenris, who is both the wolf and the woodcutter, mm. as in he's dangerous and his name is definitely Wolfie, but he's also honorable and literally, <laughs> literally chops, wood. chops wood. That's a what, that's really good. What fairy subversions, fairy tale subversions, did y'all spot? What was your favorite? 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not certain this fits, said John, but I keep thinking about Mara completing the Dust Wife's impossible tasks. Is she able to just because she doesn't know they're impossible? Is the impossible designation a bit of hubris on the Dust Wife's part? Mm. I'm sure I've seen mm-hmm. this before, but I can't recall where. Yeah, like has anyone actually not been able to do them? Has anyone tried? <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, is that Rumpelstiltskin where mm-hmm. he sets the impossible tasks and then someone of like achieves doing them? the um Yeah. Was that Rumpelstiltskin? No, from... Rumpelstiltskin's the one he Wait. does the 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 weaving, right? With yeah, the, um, spins thread into gold. The spin thread into gold, and I feel like in the show, in the uh, fairy, in that fairy ever after, mm-hmm. I think it, what was that? What was that fairy tale show? The one with Snow White, and that was on Disney for so long. Oh yeah, like million seasons. I feel like he had more of a part in that show than in actual. Um, actual fairy tales, but he did a lot of that. Yeah. It was the name of the town that they were in and the town was a fairy tale town. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I can, chat's going to get it. Chat's yeah. going to get it at some point. Yeah. Once, once upon, upon a, time. a time, once upon a time, what was the name of the town though? That was not the name of the show, but you're, thank you, Mark. Hmm. Anyway. Yes. Twisted, <laughs> twisted fairy tales <laughs> like in and Bone yeah. is a, is, is a really good aspect uh, of this. Uh, and and very entertaining. Uh, it's interesting to me. I what I am reading under Fortunate Stars more often than I read Nettle and Bone. I just save Nettle and Bone to every night, but I don't mm-hmm. know if that's because Under Fortunate Stars is longer. <laughs> and so part Got of me it. is like, I better better uh, get to it while I can, because um, I think this is not a it's not a competition, but I think I enjoyed Nettle and Bone all the way through and you know no no spoilers for under fortunate stars but uh it is not as compelling to me even though i'm reading it more often which is interesting oh that is interesting yeah were you trying to save it um uh, no no but i i wasn't as worried about getting it done on time <laughs> as i am mm-hmm. with the much longer under fortunate stars <laughs> so i there's a little pressure there but also nettle and bone just felt like a good comfy evening read too like it suited the mood whereas under fortunate stars is space adventure so it does it's not as relax as much of a relaxing evening read as netherland bone was the town is storybrook storybrook thank you i just remembered well done yeah. storybrook because it's like st- storybook sarah <sighs> tw says uh, i've been waiting to hear people's opinions about mara's mother I agree that she is playing a high level of chess. I don't think that it is dispassionately. Uh, in order for her to be effective, she can't afford to appear to be passionate. There's definitely a deeper story there. She has some terrible options to consider. I'm sure she knows the extent of the prince's, prince's abuses, but the consequences of her responses would, be, would impact her immediate family and the entire kingdom. So she appears to be making some painful sacrifices. It's necessary for her to be strategic. She's definitely playing a much longer game. Perhaps her response is learned experientially the way Kanya's is. She is passing that shrewdness onto Kanya. I think moving Mara to the con- convent was intentionally uh, to provide Mara with a different atmosphere to evolve and mature in, to provide temporary protection from the prince, and to provide a potential means of escape. Though it possibly played out in a way she didn't expect. Mm, I don't know if I buy that. I think Mara, just given medieval history, 
uh, Mara was parked in the convent. That that you know you you, you want to keep the spare daughter on ice. I I feel like mom was imminently practical. Uh, just just not evil, but also not good. Just trying to trying to just get by. You know. Yeah, I th- I thought about this a lot while I was reading it. Like, what is she didn't. Nobody seemed to really be looking for Mara that hard, though. No. You know, she was when on, she escaped? She was, on, she was on ice. They didn't even know she escaped because, yeah, we put her in the convent and we might need her someday. Hopefully we won't. Like, that really felt like the attitude. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, I feel like if her, her mother just didn't seem that surprised or she seemed, mm, what am I trying to say here? Um... Yeah, I guess I just thought they weren't, they didn't really seem that worried or maybe they didn't know she was gone. Maybe you're right. Maybe they just never even, maybe the convent never told anyone that she escaped. I don't yeah. remember what her reaction was when, when Mara showed up at the, at the prince's castle. What a dick, she was, by the way. It was like, what are you doing here? But also uh, mom, mom wasn't real emotional. So she's like, well, you're here now. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, you're right, Sarah. Kanya was the viable spare, but that's why they just put Mara on ice. I don't think they gave her much thought. And I feel like that's part of Mara's story is that she could get away with doing things because no one was paying attention to her that she couldn't have got away with otherwise. And she also got away with things like going back to the impossible task because she didn't know what she couldn't do. She was mm-hmm. so sheltered and ignorant of how the world worked that she wasn't afraid in ways that someone who did know how the world worked might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really liked her relationship with Fenris just to kind of go in a different direction for a minute. Like mm-hmm. they, they both feel very innocent in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like even though he's had to do horrible things and has been in horrible position positions and been abused and been essentially an indentured servant um, in the night market, like he still, he still feels very innocent and pure in many ways. Maybe that's just because he's got this like chivalrous sense to him, like very fairy tale like as we were mentioning before. But it it matches them well because they they both look out for each other in those ways that they mm-hmm. might otherwise be lacking in. Yeah, yeah. Um, Saray, uh in the chat says her mom also seemed to be aware of some possible neurodivergence. In Mara. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but that's that's interesting. That's an interesting um, thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I loved I loved all the characters. Like Agnes was one Agnes of my favorites best, too, because yeah. she's so surprising. Because uh-huh. like you don't at all like her the the twist in her storyline uh-huh. is so fun. Where she's like I like. <laughs> And she's like, I keep putting these blessings on these creatures and it's just not going right. Like, oh, you've been cursing them this whole time. And you didn't realize that. She's like, oh. She's like, I mean, I suspected, but I don't want to be cursing. I, I, I don't want to be good at cursing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great story of learning to accept what your talents are and then figuring out how to use them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agnes is great. So I, I would love a whole spinoff story about Agnes and the Dust Wife's uh, adventures in the future together. I think that would be a, a fun I spinoff. Also want buddy a buddy bone, comedy. I want a bone dog. <laughs> you want book. a bone dog spinoff? Yeah. Bone yeah. dog adventures. 
I think we can make chat GPT can make that happen for you. Well, first it has to learn that there's no jackalope wives in Nettle and Bone. And then, <laughs> then yeah, then maybe it can do that. I'm going to have chat GPT write you a bone dog. No, I'm not going to say bone dog because then I'm going to hit I'm sorry, but there are one. certain words that I can't. <laughs> Ryan keeps, my husband keeps trying to ask it questions about like hide, how to hide a, bar, a body. Yeah. And like chat GPT is like, I can't do that. <laughs> He's like, I promise I'm not asking for reasons. Write me a story about Bone Dog. Once upon a time in a land far away, there was a legend of a creature known as the Bone Dog. (laughs) It was said that this creature had the ability to (laughs) sniff out lost or hidden treasure and would help anyone found themselves in need of such existence. Many searched for the Bone Dog, but none had been successful in finding it until a young girl named Lily found herself lost in the forest. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's cute. We can we can have our own adventures in AI land with these characters that should never see the light of day outside of our our browser windows. Indeed. All right. Well, thanks to everyone who submitted comments and discussion topics and all sorts of stuff. Uh, And thank you to all of you out there who fund our show via our Patreon. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Uh, find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com, as well as the special swordandlaser.com slash picks section. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And all of our discussions happen over on our Discord or at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.